0: Ah, hello everybody. Nice to see you guys. So, um, Gavin them asked me which scripture am I preaching off? Bo, I've got lots of scriptures, so I'm going to throw them up and see how fast you are to catch up to them. So, we're starting with Matthew 18, verse 19. And Jesus says this, he says, Again, I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree to ask God for something, in a symphony of prayer, my Heavenly Father will do it for you wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I'm right there with them. So, Jesus is with us, and he says if two or three agree on earth, be done. So, I'm going to say a few things here, and if you agree or don't disagree, let's get a bit vocal, okay? It's not like if you're watching rugby and drinking a beer and having a bra, you start screaming at the opposition or for the ref or whatever. So, I want to start hearing some amens, okay? You got that? Okay, so here we go. I am preaching about faithful fathering. So, Dave, thanks very much. It's really, it's, it's to have a, a, a guy of Dave's caliber allow us to come and preach is amazing. So, I really appreciate it. And um, it's something that I really like a lot, is fathering. So, I'm also quite a, there you okay, I've got an amen. I'm quite an s- organized, systematic, planned kind of a guy. So, I decided I'm going to dissect the word father in each letter. I'm going to dissect that further, and hopefully there's something out of that that you can take with you. So I'm really focusing on fathers here, but obviously mothers and children, everyone can take some things, because in my life, there are three things that I'm irreplaceable with. Nobody else has the DNA that I got from my mother and dad, my mom and dad, so I'm their son. Ethan, Damien, and Lucy got Colleen and my DNA. I can only be their father. Okay? And the third thing is I'm Colleen's first husband. Everything else, somebody else can do. Someone else can cut up noses, can build hospitals, can stand here and preach. But those are three things that are irreplaceable in my life. So those should be three things I focus everything on. And the one we want to talk about today is the whole thing about fatherhood. And the nice thing about it is not just am I a dad, but in each of these six things I've messed up. So I can speak out of a place of not getting right what I think we should get right. So what are we going to do is we're going to go through each letter. I've got a dad joke for you for each letter. I'm going to contrast a few things for each letter. And um, it's like a little boxing match, you know, we... We're sparring a bit, because there's some dad bods out there who say, round is a shape. That's an excuse. It's not good enough. Come on, guys. Work on that. Once you've got the ring on your finger, you're going to carry on working even harder, eh? Okay? And um, coming back to the thing where I've messed up, I've messed up both in, and we do this, in sin, sins of commission and sins of omission. Colleen and I had an interesting chat she was saying about at the moms group, some of the moms were saying, where do they get tempted? And like, us guys, we get tempted when we sin publicly, like money, sex, and power is where we mess up. But where do the kind of half-wives, moms, and stuff, and they're possibly more on the omission side. So the commission is the act of doing something, but the omission is the act of not doing something. So something to think about. Okay, so... The first F is faithful. And here's the joke. What do you call a magician who loses his magic? Ian. <laughs> uh, come on, guys. <laughs> okay. So, under under F, faithful. So, Jesus gets asked, he, they say to him in Matthew 22, um, they say, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? What does the whole thing come down to? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. And we're going to stop there. Let's dial back. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 to 7. And this blew my mind when I was reading this. Because this is the first F about faithful fathering is he quotes this. He says, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Wow. I'd never under read that part. Impress them on your children. So, before we get to the second command, this is the thing that it comes down to: is who is impressing the word of God on your children? Is it you, or somebody else? So we faithful, unfaithful. Are you being faithful to your calling as a father to teach them, or are you just uh, farming that out? Ugh, they can go to church. They can go to youth group. No, no, dad. Are you the one who is ministering into your child's life, the Word of God? Because if you're not, perhaps you should actually spend a bit of less dad time and a little bit of kid time. One of the things we've started to do as the kids get older, instead of little Bible reading notey things, actually buy them the Bible. So that they actually read the Bible. They're not as nice as it is to read a devotional. It's still someone's interpretation. So, what I've tried to get into the habit of doing now is on the 31st of December every year, when I take time off to fast and pray, I will ask the Lord for a specific verse for each of my three kids and my wife to share with them what I feel is a verse for them for the year. It's a cool thing, Dad. Do it. Who else are you, what are you going to do? Tell somebody else to do it for you. I, I, I'm not into wanting to be a dad who just goes and does sperm donation for a kid. That's, that's not a fathering. Father is somebody who walks with your kids the whole time. So you are faithful in that. So that's the one thing. You have to be teaching your kids. And if you don't know, maybe that's why you can't teach. The other thing Jesus says here, and he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he gives one command in John 15. He says, my command is this, love each other as I loved you. So the core of us as fathers is loving our kids and teaching the word of God into their hearts. That's the core. That's what F stands for, for me. Faithful fathering, not unfaithful fathering. Don't be unfaithful in how you're doing it. And let's not even talk about being unfaithful towards your wife and the other things. You know, the thing that creeps in here is this thing of indifference. That is when it gets bad. When you're still fighting for your marriage, you're still fighting for your kids, that's okay. But when you get to the point of, I don't care, then we've got a big problem. So let's not get to that point. Let's carry on being the one who's teaching in our kids' lives. Okay. So maybe a little bit less exercise, body exercise, but more Bible exercise for your kids. Okay. Next one. A for authentic. So here's the joke. When does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. <laughs> I quite like these ones, eh? <laughs> Okay. So we're going to climb into Proverbs. Yeah, there are two verses in Proverbs. So authentic verses, I couldn't really find a right word. Devious? Unauthentic? Are you really being real? So it says in Proverbs 22.6, it says, Start off a child on the way they should go, and we, even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Also in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, If you withhold correction and punishment from your children, you demonstrate a lack of love. So prove your love and be prompt to punish them. In the message, the same verse says, A a refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. So this is a sensitive thing. Remember, God doesn't have grandsons. God has sons. So it's not my responsibility for Ethan and Damien and Lucy to decide if they want to be a follower of Jesus or not. It's my responsibility to show them how to do that, both in what I say and what I do, okay? So we live in this funny world of child-centered parenting, okay? All the rights of the kids. It's your responsibility to father your children, it's not the school's responsibility. It's not the mother's responsibility. There we go. Now moms are saying amen. Yes, moms. I like that. It's your responsibility, and it's your responsibility to punish the child in a nice way. So we had this issue last week at home. I was overseas last weekend at a congress, and I come in, I buy this little thing to use to slice eggs nicely. And it's like this... I went in effort to get this thing and our middle son is a little fiddler and he gets warned not to do it and next thing, this thing I go and buy is lying in pieces on the floor and I'm like, yeah, I just want to give this like a good hiding now. But I was pondering what to do. So he had a good chat. I like, no, this is wrong. But when the exams are finished because they've got to focus on the exams now, I've got a little thing what I'm going to do to them and I've had a choice. They can either write out the 10 commandments 10 times, or they can write out the sixth commandment 100 times. So the choice is going to be theirs on Wednesday, all three of them, because they're all involved with this thing. But I actually think this is a cool way they can actually learn the 10 commandments, because I have a feeling if in this room, everyone has to tell us what the 10 commandments are. I don't think we've got 100% pass rate here, eh? So I want the little Macintoshes to learn that. It was very funny when Gert at men's group on Friday morning was telling us about the little David, who's seven, who recited all ten commandments. That's just fantastic. Eh? So how great is that as a dad? Gert is being fathering his son. It's fantastic. Eh? So, yeah. Anyway, that's on this, this um, thing. But now let's hear what Jesus says. because. We, we're so aware of people's feelings and my kind of upbringing, where I grew out of quite a tough household in a way. Um, and we've been through some hard things in our family. Whereas with Colleen's upbringing from having an autistic brother, where it's very much like you, there's no conflict. And whereas uh, my nickname is Heinki, I'm like one of those little hoonara on, ready to box. So she's really calmed me down. But there is this balance between. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Where you have to be honest in the punishment and dealing with stuff. But listen to this story in Matthew sixteen. So, what happens in context here is Jesus asks the disciples who they are, who he is, and Peter comes out and says, "You are the savior." And then Jesus says, "Okay, but you are going to be the man. You are going to be my church, and you're going to grow stuff." So now this is building Peter up, and then straight away then is this. From then on, Jesus began to clearly revealed to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer injustice from the elders, leading priests, and religious scholars. He also explained that he would be killed and three days later would be raised to life. Peter took him aside to correct him privately. He reprimanded Jesus over and over, saying to him, God forbid, master, spare yourself. You must never let this happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get out of my way, you Satan. You're a hindrance to me because your thoughts are only filled with man's viewpoints and not the ways of God. Goodness gracious me, I'm glad no one's ever said that to me. eh? That's a hell of a thing to say to somebody, get behind me, Satan. Now this is Jesus that just said, you're going to be leading my church. And he takes him on and he says to him, you have the things in man's mind, not God's mind. And it's just, to me, it just shakes my whole world of thinking, wow, how God-centered am I in my thinking? So, like you heard um, at the last Sunday, I wasn't at the preach, uh, where they were calling Dave out to say, lead this whole thing against uh, gender identity in our country. So, my th- question to you is, Why not you? Why, Dave? Why don't you get onto the school governing body? Why don't you start something at your workplace and stand up as a father figure? Are you going to allow the one flich in his sop to wreck the sop? Are you actually going to be the one who goes and makes it nice? So that's my challenge to you there is that, you know, in terms of being authentic, are you just gonna sit back and allow society to disintegrate, or are you gonna get up and do something? You're gonna sit around and people bitch and moan about the country, about P, about the freaking mayor. Work in your same circle of influence. I can't influence other things, so I'm not gonna worry about doing that. But where I can influence, I'm gonna influence. Okay. There, yeah, I heard an Amen. Great, thanks. Okay. So, F-A-T. Ah, do you want the joke? What's this? I don't know, but here comes another one. <laughs> okay. This one is T for tender teacher. Tender teacher. Okay. But what's the opposite of harsh teacher? I love this verse. In Ephesians 6 verse 4, it says, Father's do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Or in Proverbs 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, Pay close attention, my child, to your father's wise words, and never forget your mother's instructions. For their insight will bring you success, adorning you with grace-filled thoughts and giving you reins to guide your decisions. Wow. So it is so easy to exasperate our children. It's so easy to fall into this. I'm the authority figure. I'm the boss. You're going to listen to me. That's not what this is about. Eh? This is having the tender heart of caring for your children. Like this, insist on you have to respect me. But I don't respect you if you act like an absolute idiot. Why must I respect you? Just because the Bible says I respect you. Okay, I'll suck that up and try and respect you. But I'm not, I'm not doing that out of because of how what a tender and loving teacher you are towards me. In this thing is something that I have over the last five years started to do for the kids every night. So every night, if I'm at home, I try and be the one who prays with them. But on a Sunday night, it's their turn to pray. And the one prayer that I have been praying over them comes out of Luke chapter 2, verse 51 and 52. So Jesus now is this teenager. He's about the same age as Ethan. And they go to Jerusalem. And you know the story. He's not there. They go back. They find him. And the last part is this. Then he went down to Nazareth, and he was obedient to them. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. And my prayer over my kids every night is to say, Lord, will you grow them in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and favor with man? Now, who else is going to pray over the kids? Mom? Oh, she prays the whole time, right? Don't worry about that. Dad needs to pray. Dad needs to put that blessing over his kids. So this thing of being a tender teacher instead of a harsh teacher is something I really want to, like, kind of, it's almost anti-society, this this, is this balance about masculinity. You want to be this, like, almost on the feminine side of masculinity, but you also want to be this, like, hardcore masculinity. There's this, and Jesus is the, is the perfect example of that, that his compassion for people, but his truth that he speaks into people's lives. So, so the thing that I want to leave you with is this, be a tender teacher, not a harsh teacher. Like think back to the teachers when you were at school who inspired you to do the stuff you've become. And I can think of one high school teacher who inspired me in sports and he inspired me in medicine. And, and he, was, he had that balance between not being this overly harsh but not being this like on the tender side. I mean the weak side, I would say. So be encouraged with that. Okay. Next letter is H for healer. Okay. do You want the joke. Batman and Robin were walking down the road, and a steamroller came and drove over them. Who was left behind? Flatman and Robin. There we go. <laughs> that the mom got the dad joke. Well done. Okay, so you know, guys, all these good preachers that are telling you what like the Greek understanding of words and blah. And I can never understand. Them. I want to give you one word that you're going to remember, and you want to use it around the dining room table. Oh, guys. Don't, don't have supper in front of the TV. You have supper as a family. That's where you talk. So we, we, in the evenings, we try and do this, and we speak about what's your high, what's your low, and what's your buffalo. Like your buffalo is like kind of a it's like a weird thing that happened in the day. And you don't have to have them, but it's important. So we, we work on that. And we light a candle, two candles. We sit and we chat. It's got to be done. Okay. And dad, you're the main one who makes the call. Okay. So this is the word. So it's the word for compassion. Splachizomeia. Got that? It's difficult, eh? Splachizomeia. I have zomeya for you, son. It's this thing of like, in my stomach, I feel for you. And listen to this. This is about being a healer opposed to a breaker. Psalm 108, verse 13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I want to ask you, how much compassion do you have on your kids? Is your attitude towards that eight-year-old who bursts into tears, just like slicker copies a mention? you know or you actually have compassion on them with what they're going through let's listen to what jesus says in luke uh, 7 okay he says listen to the story it's amazing as he approached the village he met a multitude of people in a funeral procession who were mourning as they carried the body of a young man to the cemetery the boy was his mother's only son and she was a widow so some people have it really bad in life, like proper. Some of us can feel sorry for ourselves, but we actually don't have it so bad. This woman is a widow. She has one son, and he's just died. Like that's the worst that can happen. When the Lord saw the grieving mother, his heart broke for her. He had this splach, this mania for her, with great tenderness. He says to her, please don't cry. What, what do you say to a woman who's lost her husband, lost her son? He says to her, please don't cry. Look, like, you gonna offend me. You say to me, I mustn't cry. Like, how can somebody say that? But Jesus can say that because he knows what's coming next. And he says this, he says, then he stepped up to the coffin and touched it. Now, you don't touch coffins if you're a rabbi. This doesn't happen because then you like, You're unsterile, bro. You've got to go. Can't operate if you're unsterile. When the pallbearers came to Hoth, Jesus spoke directly to the corpse Young man, I say to you, arise and live. Immediately, the young man moved, sat up, and spoke to those nearby. I would love to know what he said to the guys. I wonder one day when I'm in heaven, I want to ask this guy, what was those opening words when he, he's dead? He sits up, and what, I wonder what he would have said to them. But how amazing that Jesus comes to heal that brokenness that poor woman was going through. So my question to you as the father is, are you a father of healing, or are you a father of breaking? Are you too busy doing your business, to provide for your family and put food on the table to sit down and give your son or your daughter a hug because they're hurting. Was that mom's job? I don't know. You want to say it yourself. Okay. We, we're kind of getting to the last two letters that we're dissecting here. Okay? And then we're going to put everything back together again. E. Enjoyable versus unenjoyable. Grumpy. Whatever you want to call it. Okay? Enjoyable. So here's another one. Folks at the back there, you're listening to this. Those three dads sitting there. So this guy's standing in his kitchen, and his wife suddenly says, and you weren't even listening to me, were you? And he thinks to himself, that's a strange way to start a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, it says, Children, do what your parents tell you. This is the only commandment that says, Honor your father and your mother. It's the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Namely, you will live well and have a long life. So, I just think in our household, if you guys would just listen the first time, Everything would be better. You know? But did I listen the first time when I was, I don't know, I used to have a tear get beaten out of me to listen. Eh? So, my question is here as much as it is it easier to listen to somebody nice or somebody grumpy? Yeah. I often think of a t shirt I want to make, like Ricky made, don't be something. You know? Be a nice guy. Seriously, just it's not hard to be nasty. It takes a bit of effort to be nice. Like nastiness comes naturally. Kids are naturally naughty. We naturally want to hurt people. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to make us good. Don't come to me and say, I'm good. You're not good, boo. You've never been good. The only thing you're going to be good is if you ask Jesus to help to be good. So be a nice guy to your kids, man. If you're a nice guy, they'll most likely listen to you more than if you're not a nice guy. Okay, and uh, yo, I love that thing. So that's, that's the sixth thing, eh, of the Ten Commandments. So they could either write this one out, honor your father and your mother 100 times, or they can write out all the Ten Commandments. I figure would rather do all ten because it's going to be better around the children than just doing one because they might still steal and stuff like that. Okay, so now let's hear what Jesus has to say about this thing, eh. In Luke 10, so Jesus has just sent out all his followers, these guys, to go and, do ministry, and they come back, and they start telling him, we have changed this world. He's like oaks rising from the dead and all this stuff. And Jesus says, then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's joy, exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are the Lord supreme over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of this authority from those who are proud, those wise in their own eyes, and you have shared it with those who have humbled themselves. Yes, Father, this is what pleases your heart, to give these things to those who are like trusting children. So the thing i got out of this is just to say, like, am I being at times like a child with my children? Like, in horsing around and making baboon noises and wrestling and like, oh, I'm with this lank, serious dad the whole time. Huh? Let your hair down a bit if you still have any hair, right? It's fine. I think we need to understand Jesus' joy. It's a joy to be a father, man. Yeah, maybe sometimes not a joy to be a husband, but yes, you're going to be a joyous father sometimes, you know? No, really, I think we must enjoy it, eh? What a gift, eh? I just, it's just lovely. I mean, I love walking into the from the garage and then, like the kids like even still give me a fright. They hide behind a bush and jump out and I'm like I have a heart attack, you know. It's like it's great, man. It's en- enjoy that. It's so like to how yeah, excited you guys are about your little spring con, man. That thing's gonna get big, eh? <laughs> yes, so enjoy it. It's lovely. So yeah, let's be enjoyable. Let's not be let's not be like grumpy old grouches, eh? Okay, the the, the the last letter R, this is might be a little bit of a hit a body. This wasn't just jarring, this might, might hurt a little bit. But let's oh, you want to joke? What do you call a camel without a hump? Humphrey. <laughs> okay. So the last R is for reliable versus unreliable. So, in 1 Timothy 5.8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for his own household, has denied their faith and is worth than an unbeliever. So, it's quite easy to to kind of follow fatherhood here. Follow the money and follow the time. Where's dad's time and money going to? Very quickly, you're going to see where dad's focus is. There's a conversion of the head, conversion of the heart, conversion of the wallet. Same thing with our parenting. How much effort are we putting in and where's that effort going? I've got to constantly catch myself. Like I'm pushing hard to become really, I want to really be good in what I'm doing. But is at the cost of what towards the family? How much? And like hobbies, man caves, those kind of things, you know? How much... It's, it's hard. A couple of guys that I'm with, where do you... When you call the guy out and say, "Tana, so your wife needs to ask you for money to go for drinks with her friends for her birthday, but you've been on six boys' weekends this year. How cool is that? I don't know. Like, my... Colleen is full time almost with the kids. She assists me sometimes in surgeries, but it's our money. It's I can't do the stuff I'm doing. I can't sit here preaching because Damien's playing a soccer match now at she had to rush off. It's not that she didn't want to hear me preach. Okay? She wanted to hear it, but <laughs> but we are co parenting. We're together in this thing. Okay. So are you reliable on that? But now it gets really heavy on this, eh? Jesus now is on the cross, okay? This is right there. This is the end. Mary, mother, of Jesus. Now, there are a lot of Marys. eh? I don't know what it is about Marys. Mary, Jesus' mother, was standing next to the cross, along with Mary's sister, his aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved, standing by her, John, he said, Mother, look, John will be a son to you. And he said, John, look, she will be your mother to you. From that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. And I want to touch on this thing of, have you planned for your death, Dad? No, that's Dad, Dad, not Mom. Dad, Dad, have you planned for your death? Because you're the provider for your family. So when I was nearly dead five years ago, I remember my older brother flew down and I had him next to me on bed and I told him where to find my will and what to do for my funeral. I didn't have a heart to tell Colleen and thank God that I'm still here and I had a new lease on life after that. But my question is, dad, have you planned for when you die? Because that could be today. And if you haven't, you better start planning very quickly. Okay. I'm not a financial planner or whatever, but if you don't have a will and you haven't sorted your stuff out, go sort your stuff out, eh? So that might be the nasty little hmm. Anyway, so we're gonna we get we're gonna come to the two left and right hooks for the knockout. So we've been sparring, got these six things we've spoken about. Spoke about being faithful versus being unfaithful in teaching your kids, faithful in loving your kids. Being authentic, not child centered parenting, but God centered parenting. We spoke about being a tender teacher, not a harsh teacher, not, not exasperating your children, but teaching them well and being obedient in following God, how you're going to get your, t- your kids to follow you. Being a healer, someone who, who's bringing a person of healing, not a person who breaks people down. Being a nice person, an enjoyable dad, not an unenjoyable grouchy Pharisee, okay? And being reliable. Your wife needs to know you're reliable. I can tell you, I can tell you nail these six things, eh? Don't worry about going to go and buy chocolates and flowers and that kind of stuff. Just, just a side effect, okay? Geez, no amens there. I'm very disappointed, guys. I thought that'd be the biggest amen I'd get, eh? Okay, so, so let's get these two things right here. So the first one I want to talk about is this. Is Now, again, to me, like I can preach and say things, but I need to talk about Jesus because he has everything for us. It's not about our own words. And there are two things I want to talk about. The one is in John 5 and the one's in Luke 18. And the first one is this. So Jesus has just, the guy's been a cripple for 38 years. And he goes and heals the oak. And the Pharisees say, Tom, you can't heal on a Sunday or Saturday. And it's like pathetic. This oak has been 38 years of suffering. Instead of saying, wow, well done, they say you can't heal then. So his enemies, Jesus answered his critics by saying, every day my father is at work and I will be too. Every day. This infuriated them and made them all the more eager to devise a plan to kill him. For not only did he break their Sabbath rules, but he also called God my father, which made him equal to God. So Jesus said, I speak to you eternal truth. The son is unable to do anything for himself, Or through his own initiative. I only do the works I see the Father doing, for the Son does the same works as the Father. Because the Father loves his Son so much, he always reveals to him everything he is about to do. And you will be amazed when he shows him even greater works than that what you have seen so far. For just as the Father has the power to raise the dead, the Son will also raise the dead and give life to whoever He wants. And the core of who Jesus is, the core that drove Him to the cross to die for us, was His identity. That God was His Father who loved Him. And that is the core of who we are as dads. If we don't know that we are deeply, deeply loved and accepted by God, there's a big problem. On the other hand is this. So this is in Luke 18. The people brought their babies and small children to Jesus so that he might lay his hands on them to bless them. When the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents and told them to stop troubling the master. Seeing what was happening, Jesus called the parents, the children, and his disciples to come and say, Whoa, whoa, come, all of you. Time for a dad lesson here. And he told them this. He says, never hinder a child from coming to me, but let them all come to me, for God's kingdom belongs to them as much as it does to anybody else. These children demonstrate to you what faith is all about. Learn this well. Unless you receive the revelation of the kingdom the same way as a little child receives it, you'll never be able to enter it. And this is the other side. So the one side is saying, I need to know that I'm loved and my identity and who I am so I can follow But the other one is I need to have compassion for the children. I need to have compassion for the people who rely on me to be dad. And we need to be childlike in accepting that. We need to be humble in being able to accept that. That the disciples are like, no, no, he's too busy, he's too important. You're never too important. Your job is never too important. You need to have the time with your kids. And and that's that's the other side. So the one side is saying, who am I in Christ? The other one is, do I actually, does that live it out? So Jesus says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. God loves us. Are we loving our kids? And those two things. And you know what this, this, this whole thing comes around is the only way we can do this is through being revived. So you get this knockout left and right hook. How do we do that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit that this can happen. And I had a picture this morning of just like, a fresh like, outpouring of the Holy Spirit on us here in the church. And initially I thought, oh, let's get the guys up, let's pray for the men. And I, I actually don't want to do that. Uh, what I want to do is, not, over the next couple of minutes, I want you guys, because most of you are probably in like little family groups. So in the, within that little family group, I want you guys to spend a bit of time praying together. I want the moms and the kids to pray for the dad. I want dad to pray over the kids and the mom. And then, yeah, that's my message for today. So I hope you enjoyed those amusing jokes. But let's now just spend a little bit of time, break into those little family groups and spend a bit of time praying, okay? Thanks again.
1: So let's just do that, guys. This is the end of this time in the. A- Father's House becoming a house of prayer, where we just turn and pray for each other, pray, turn your chairs around, mess it up a bit, take some time to pray. If you're visiting here and you're alone, you'd like to to pray with you, just introduce yourself to a neighbor and ask them, would you pray for
0: me? It'd be good to do that. Um, Extend your family group. If there's a stranger sitting there, bring them in and invite them to be prayed for. Or if you need prayer up front here, you're welcome to come. We'll
1: pray for people up front here as well. And uh, when you've done that praying, go and have some coffee and carry on that conversation you started earlier. Thanks, guys. Thanks again. you